Hi, I'm Senior Manager of McCain Global Leadership Initiatives, Scott Nemeth, and you're listening to the Global Leaders Podcast, where we connect you, the listener, with the McCain Institute's diverse network of experts and rising leaders from around the world. We will explore Senator McCain's legacy of character-driven leadership, how our network is in the arena tackling some of the world's most complex challenges, and discuss our guests' own leadership journeys. On this episode, we are joined by Victoria Welburn, a member of the McCain Global Leaders Advisory Council and a senior program manager at the National Democratic Institute. Victoria works on global topics that land at the intersection of open government and civic technology in over 50 countries around the world. We are so excited to have Victoria affiliated with our new McCain Global Leaders Program, and today we look forward to having a conversation with her about the critical intersection between technology and governance, particularly as we look at it through the lens of leadership. Victoria, thank you so much, and welcome to the Global Leaders Podcast. Let's begin with you telling us a little bit about yourself, your role at the National Democratic Institute, and your own leadership journey. Hi, Scott. It's uh, so great to be here and be part of such a, a timely initiative. I'm forever a Texan, but I found my way to D.C. about a decade ago when I kind of got bit by the political bug, as they say. And I've been at the National Democratic Institute for the past four years, which is a democracy and governance strengthening nonprofit. I manage a global portfolio that integrates topics like government, transparency, tech transformation and trust as ways to strengthen democratic resilience and combat liberal influence operations. And I work pretty equally with elected officials and activists all over the world. Yeah, I I feel really privileged to have benefited from having examples of really strong leaders throughout my whole career. And I think effective and thoughtful leadership is something that is really character driven. And because of that, it's really hard to fake. And I I do think that it can be learned and it's learned through mentorship and and through example. You know, in the democracy and, and governance community, when a good leader emerges, it's almost addictive because you want to hold on to that leader and their influence of good governance forever. I mean, in part because you have such a good thing going on, but also you're scared of what could emerge otherwise. And I think a a good example of this is how democracy and governments in the governance community felt about Angela Merkel leaving office. But, you know, in America's founding, um, many citizens didn't want George Washington to end his second term. And I, I think about his reflection that the most important part of the grand experiment of America isn't the election of the first president, but the election of the second. And that's exactly why mentorship is is so important because in a democratic system, leadership must transition and the next generation or successor must be prepared. You know, the, the readiness of leadership, it's kind of an ongoing pursuit because it really doesn't happen overnight. And, that being said, you know, young leaders can't always come from the same place and equity must be built into leadership development. It can be easy to work with young leaders who graduated from the best schools and might already have a lot of the skills and experience that one would look for in leadership. But today's leaders must actually reflect the communities they represent, which are full of women and diversity, which is something that I really appreciate about this initiative. And 
you know, in, in my experience, it's important to know when leadership means that you might need to move aside or step back for someone else. So I think you touched on exactly why the McCain Institute is putting together the McCain Global Leaders Program. That idea of preparing that next generation of leaders, you know, being ready for the next man up or the next woman up, so to speak, and really trying to find that diverse set of next leaders. And we really, through this program, want to promote that equity and that inclusion and trying to find, you know, sort of the diamond in the rough, so to speak, of that next next generation of leaders. So you touched on, you know, the rationale behind our program perfectly. But in your career, you've kind of had this unique opportunity where you've worked both in government and now you're working as an implementer in international development. So in government, you work to engage citizens and provide some transparency into the workings of Congress. And now in your role at NDI, you're working around the world, trying to grow and stabilize democracy. So you've really had in your career a front row seat to global leadership and governance. What have you seen in all of your experiences, both here in the United States working for Congress or being abroad and working in both developed and developing countries? What have you seen over the last few years and why is it so important that we have character leadership, not only at home, but abroad? Oh my goodness. Well, I don't have to tell you how fragile democracy is and how, especially now, democracy, it's, I mean, it's being threatened all over the world. And that being said, over the last few years, I've also seen examples of sheer resilience from Taiwan's example led by President Tsai or civil society activists in Hong Kong like Joshua Wong. And, you know, when we think of leadership, it's it's easy to jump to elected officials or high profile activists who have literally risked it all. But I've worked with incredibly inspiring activists in more close societies who understand leadership is really humbling in a lot of ways because character driven leadership begins in neighborhoods and in homes. And that's where more tangible change begins and is actually seen and felt. You know, I mean, my dad, for instance, is one of my biggest examples of leadership I've ever known. And I'm sure the people listening to this can think of lots of leaders in their lives who don't have national name recognition, which is something I think is really important to recognize, especially in the hyper tech enablist world we live in, um, that we all have a responsibility to our communities and to our democracies. This is something I think a lot about in the context of information operations and media literacy. You know, we could talk all day about tech platforms responsibilities or government policies around the information environment in particular, but to reference the work of, of Stuart Hall, you know, citizens aren't passive bystanders in their democracies or in the public square. And I think it's important that we think critically about the information that we see and decide whether or not we should or share, should not share online on social media, or perhaps it's incumbent on us to have a tough conversation with a family member who often shares harmful disinformation online. That to me is, is, is leadership. And that type of activism is something that I see in the countries that in the communities that I work in every day. So, you know, I think bringing it back domestically in America, you know, Americans, I mean, we are always and often taking our democracy for granted and that complacency is very dangerous. But I think redefining character-driven leadership in a way that is 
actually very accessible. You know, you don't have to run for public office to be a leader. And I think that's how we begin to protect our democracies. I think it's so important to remember that point that you brought up, that leadership is not who we're voting for. It's not who's at the head of a company. It can be a family member. It can be a community activist. It can be your neighbor next door. And I think it's so important to remember that because especially in this hyper-politicized climate that we see not only here in the U.S., but around the world, we tend to put our leaders up on a pedestal and we forget about those principles and values that are just so important to what character-driven leadership really is. So you're involved with, you kind of touched on this, but you're involved with a new field, so to speak, that intersection of democracy, leadership, and the tech world. And you and I were actually together in 2016 at a summit in Estonia, which started to look at this idea of e-governance and how technology can play a role in politics and in governance. And back in 2016, I don't think we would have imagined that we would be here today where tech plays such an important role in how you know governments are formed, how they run, and how leaders, uh, political leaders, run on their political platforms. So, how do you think technology has benefited democratic development and the growth of, of strong values-based leaders around the world? Yeah, yeah. Technology. I mean, it it has completely redefined the interaction between citizens and government for the better. Um, you know the public square has completely changed in the past couple of years. And, you know, especially in contexts where women were excluded, excluded from public engagement or people with disabilities were unable or underrepresented in the more traditional public square. I mean, technology has been a way for participation just at, at new levels. And, you know, technology has also done so much for access to information. People are talking about and understanding policies today in ways folks never really did before. And obviously tech has also done a lot in terms of political organizing and movements from the Arab Spring to advocacy and awareness around climate change. I mean, it's, it's been really incredible. And I think what's really interesting, um, especially looking at both those examples is young people's role in, in technology and specifically looking at Generation Z, who has never known a world without technology, and especially the technology that we see today. And they have this global access and pretty deep understanding of politics in a way that other generations just never really had access to and had an outlet for. There were ways to, to communicate and know what folks in you know, other countries are doing and working on and thinking about. And I think cultivating that interest and understanding within that generation, which is, you know, the next generation of leaders is going to be hugely beneficial for, for our democracies. And using tech to do so, I think kind of meeting them where they are is really important. So, you know, there's a lot of good that you just outlined that comes from tech being involved with leadership and democratic growth. But we're also seeing a lot of negatives right now. You know, it's it's kind of all over the news. There's disinformation. There's ransomware attacks. Social media is being used as a bully pulpit by political leaders to get their message out. Sometimes not always in the best way, in the most you know positive, impactful way. How you know how has technology negatively affected the democratic development and leadership around the world? And and how do you see? us getting out of that. So it, it shows more of those positive attributes you just talked about. 
Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, technology is a double-edged sword. It has created so many opportunities um, for connectivity, but it has a lot of negative side effects. And I think from a history of things perspective, that criticism can, you know, has always been kind of cast on technology. I mean, think about the mastery of fire which I think is kind of a, a good metaphor for information technologies in particular. You know, humans learned to control fire two million years ago, give, give or take. And, you know, in some ways we also still fail to completely master it. You know, at, to this day, you know, it is one of our greatest sources of survival. And from industry to cooking, assuming you're not using a microwave to cook all your food, it's estimated that, you know, 112 million tons of greenhouse gases were, expand, were expended during California's wildfires last year. It's a technology that we use all the time, but it, it's still to this day very hard for us to control and understand. And that's all to say we have a long road ahead of us in terms of understanding these emerging technologies, especially in terms of artificial intelligence, big data, algorithmic development. I mean, you know, I, I can also list off how technology has negatively impacted democratic development and leadership in, in terms of the rise of authoritarian control and citizen surveillance, how information operations are utilized in sharp power efforts, the violence against women online, the prevalence of hate speech and the rise of white nationalism. I mean, there's been a general erosion of trust in media and democracy. The list is it's long, but the thing is those issues we're always there and will always be there. I think it can be easy, um, an easy distraction to simply blame technology alone. And yes, of course, policies must respond to these issues and the technology itself must be held accountable. But at the end of the day, the real issue is the people and the government behind the screens, which is where interventions must focus or else you'll forever be playing this game of you know, digital whack-a-mole. And that's the thing about technology, democracy, and media. If we see problems as singular issues, we get singular solutions. But, you know, we're, we're actually talking about society, which is wholly complex, and solutions have to be, like, completely holistic in their response for impactful change-making. I think that's such a great point you make about how you know, it's more, you know, on society and our leaders to take this problem on and to dial down the rhetoric on their own and to put themselves out as principled character-driven leaders. So you're now part of this newly formed McCain Global Leaders Advisory Council, which we're so excited to have you a part of. And we are in the process of beginning our first year of the McCain Institute's new flagship leadership program, McCain Global Leaders. How do you think this program will help address the challenges we see around the world and the growing leadership void we are seeing both at home and abroad? Yeah, I, it's such a pleasure to be a part of, of this initiative. And I, I think this leadership program cannot come at a better time. Um, one of the biggest value adds, I think, that this program creates is mutual understanding from a global peer network. You know, I'm a deep believer that solutions must be locally created by the people who are, are facing them. But the ability to share best practices among peers is, is also very crucial and to have new insights into, um, into solutions. And, you know, to that end, no one is 
born a leader. You know, there are a lot of people and learnings and factors involved along the way that help individuals grow in their own leadership. And, you know, that's, I think, what this program seeks to to do is to bring folks together so that they everyone is building each other up and, and you know, that leadership is cultivated along the way and, and those learnings of, of solving some of these issues. And I think we'll all have a lot to learn from each other. So in your role as an advisory council member, you're going to spend a lot of time working with the leaders who participate in this program. Through your work with them, what types of leadership values do you hope to impart and how do you think technology can help them on their leadership journeys as they move forward? You know, I think when you're dealing with issues this big and complex, issues related to human rights and security and technology, it's it's very easy to get jaded because it can feel hard to see wins and to feel like progress is being made. And for better or for worse, I, I'm an internal optimist. And more than anything else, I hope to be a, a reminder that it's okay to fail, which is a hard lesson and one I've learned from the technology community. But if we're always succeeding, then we're probably not trying very hard to actually change things in some ways. And don't get me wrong, you know, failure, fa failure is a risk. But if you're not failing every once in a while, then you're probably not innovating or trying new things, um, which means you're probably not learning very much. And, you know, I, I hope that that's something that I can impart is that, you know, kind of delighting in, in one's failures because ultimately it it's how, you know, true change making happens. So as you kind of look back on your career to this point um, and you think about the folks who are going to be participating in our program, as well as our, our listeners who might be young leaders, what would you, what advice do you have for young individuals who aspire to be leaders in their home country and how can they go about making a difference? I think my message is for young women in particular, um, you know, you're, Communities need your leadership. Um, when leadership is monopolized by one type of person, only that community's needs are represented. And no one can understand or represent the community that you identify with better than the people who are part of it. And when a new opportunity arises, when you're tapped on the shoulder, or when you have an idea, just pursue it if you can. And don't listen to anyone who says your voice doesn't matter. Um, I'd also advise to seek out other women who aspire to, that you aspire to emulate and reach out to them. Talk to as many people as you can. Um, women are so used to carrying emotional labor that they often are the last ones to ask for help. But as I said earlier, no leader is completely self-made. There's a whole invisible architecture of support and advice and learnings underneath them that are holding them up. So. Don't be afraid to ask for help and to speak up because your voice matters and so does your leadership. Victoria, on behalf of the McCain Institute and our listeners, I really want to thank you for taking the time to join us on the Global Leaders Podcast. Your work around the world at the intersection of leadership and technology is incredibly important. We look forward to working with you on McCain Global Leaders. Thanks for listening. For more information on the McCain Global Leaders podcast or the McCain Global Leaders program, please visit mccaininstitute.org. Please also rate, review, and subscribe, and be sure to follow the McCain Institute on Twitter, 
Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn to stay up to date with everything happening in the world of character-driven leadership.